Shut up and sit down. Oh, shit. We are back. Welcome to the show, guys. Been off for about a week, uh, but we're coming to you again with episode 42 of The Quiet Part Loud. Thanks for joining us. My name's Daryl. I'm your host, as always. And drink that water, boys and girls. Get that hydration in you. It is hot in the city, and it's going to stay that way at least for another week. We're in the middle of a heat wave. Shit is hot. Shit is burning. Careful with your pets out there. Wash their feet. The rule of thumb is back of your hand on the concrete for five seconds. If that burns your hands, it's going to burn your dog's feet. So be careful with that. You do more harm than you do good. Um, But it's been a hot one in the city. 30 degrees almost every single day for the past week and a half when we're living like England is a tropical island. And there's nothing wrong with that because if you've ever been in the city, when it's sunshiny like this, you know that everybody's mood changes. Everybody is a little less tense until you get on the underground and then the zombies reside where they normally reside and act like they normally act. But I'm trying to avoid that as much as possible, but it's been uh, something I've had to do a couple of times over the past uh, week and a half or so just for work. Um, but like I said, if you you know if it's 30 degrees outside, rule of thumb is tag on 10 degrees and that's pretty much what you're looking at when you go down into the subway. Some of the lines are worse than others and I would venture a guess that at least one of the subway lines got well over 40 to 45 degrees um, on a couple of days during this heat wave. But we're not complaining, we're enjoying it, we're in the midst of it and uh, I can keep it going. Keep it going. That beautiful weather and sunshine and everything that comes along with that coupled with the fact that England are continuing their success all by the skin of their teeth is putting everybody in a particularly good mood and uh, and that's a lovely thing it's a it's a rare thing these day uh, these days it seems you know everybody's got something to complain about or something to bitch about and something to worry about and be anxious about so it's nice to have a bit of respite from that and be able to, uh, yeah, be able to enjoy the days. But uh, nevertheless, we do have some other things to talk about. A week in review, as it were. Um, and yeah, there's plenty of uh, plenty of stuff to talk about. But I'm gonna break this episode. Well, no, I'm gonna do this episode. Then I'm gonna come back pretty much straight away. And, uh, and do another episode because the rest of the week for me is quite busy and I'm not sure when I might get another chance to do it. And, and as I said to you guys before, what I want to do is kind of a week in review like we're doing now and then I want to do the breakdown of UFC 226. Um, a good card, not a, maybe not as, looking at it, maybe not as big as Maybe not as exciting as I thought, maybe initially, but we're going to break it down nevertheless, go through the main card, give my thoughts um, and some commentary around that. So this will be the news and views, and the one after this, episode 43, will be the UFC 226 preview. Um, But a lot of shit 
as it always does, has been going down since the last time we spoke. And some of them are important, some of them are less important, but all of them kind of in the news cycle. And I think things that are worth talking about because we're exacerbating certain areas of society at the moment. And I think we need to get a little bit of better, 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 um, a little better hold on on how we conduct ourselves really overall. Um, I'm going to start down under. <laughs> I'm going to start with the Aussies because uh, if you know me, you know I'm not a huge fan of religion. <laughs> um, it's, you know, got all the trappings of a, of a racket and uh, a bit of a pyramid scheme as it were. But that's only one of the issues I have with it. Um, obviously, it's history, uh, both old history and then the more recent history, which is still cropping its head up and rearing its disgusting behavior. Um, and the latest example of this is in Australia, where the most senior archbishop in that country has been uh, found guilty of... A, a child sex ring cover-up, right? So this disgusting old fuck was covering for priests that were raping little boys. And this is no new story. If you follow anything or if you hear any news about the Catholic Church, this is not a new story. This is not a new chapter in their history. This is for all accounts, par for the course for the Catholic Church because, I mean, whether it's, uh, what was it, finders keepers uh, or, what the fuck was the name of the doc? There was a doc on Netflix, there is a doc on Netflix about it um, and it's effectively about a woman uh, priest or sister, I guess, um, who found out that a priest was <coughs> using his position of influence to effectively um, touch and rape young boys. I think that was in Boston. But the UN Human Rights Council has an open case on the Catholic Church for human rights violations predicated upon... Uh, their behavior and the sexual misconduct around children. This is, there are thousands of cases of this. So it's not surprising that it's happening. It's surprising that we're still allowing an institution as filthy as the Catholic Church to interact with our children when they're in such a vulnerable, vulnerable position and leave them unattended with a group of individuals that, you know, on their individual merit, they're not all pedophiles. But collectively, how many bad eggs do you need to see before you put that carton back and don't buy from that store anymore? Go to a different shelf or a different producer of eggs because, you know, I mean, why would you trust in an institution that has such a bad record of human rights 
It's not like it was a one-off. It's not like this is a one-off case. This archbishop in Australia, which is what we're talking about now. But if you don't remember the Pope before the one we've got now, and I say we because, you know, we, the proverbial we, we as humans, we as people in society, the, the, the Pope that we have now, well, his predecessor was a guy called Joseph Ratzinger. And Joseph Ratzinger gave up the throne, right? He gave up, what do you call it, the papacy? He gave it up because of the investigation that they were doing around his involvement in moving priests from parish to parish, both domestically and internationally, once they were accused of raping children, okay? There are hundreds and hundreds of cases involving thousands and thousands of children, mentally ill people, you know, the infirmed, people who at their most vulnerable turn to the church for help, guidance, solitude, and security. And they turn around and they take full advantage of them in the most horrendous ways that you can imagine. So, again, I know we've started on, an, on, a, on a really kind of touchy subject here, but that's how we fucking do, right? We come in hot. We come in hot on these things, right? So I'm not surprised about this pervert being found guilty for his conduct and for his role in this cover-up, which goes back to the 1970s, by the way. Yeah, 40-odd years, 50 years almost, we're talking about. That's not the surprising part to me because, again, I've just laid out some of the examples, right? We can go into Mother Teresa and talk about that nasty bitch and how she fucking took advantage of, you know, the most vulnerable people, you know, not giving cancer patients pain medication, telling them to prey on it, right? There's innumerable examples of this. What really fucks me up, what really fucking pisses me off is how we penalize these people. Average guy on the street rapes a kid. What happens? He goes to jail for what? 10 to 30 years, depending on the severity, um, the regularity, the frequency of it, you know, how many times it happened, you know, and what the situation was, you know, the degrees of severity, although rape is about, you know, the most severe form of abuse in any way, shape or form, but there are also degrees within that severity, right? Violence and torture and, you know, assault beyond just the sexual assault. Um, there are varying degrees of this but you can imagine that if you know Mr. X gets caught and he's raped 10 children um, or even if he's got child pornography on his computer of little kids and he's got you know 10 or 20 images or 100 images or whatever it is he's going away for years right years not only that 
But when that disgusting fucking animal gets to prison, the boys in cell block D are going to run a train on him. Because they don't like that shit more than they don't like anything. You don't fuck with children. That's like, oh, that's in like the criminal code, right? That's in the in the criminal code of conduct, page one. You don't fuck children. Rob from people, kill people, you know, fucking arson, tax evasion, whatever it may be, corruption, whatever, racketeering, money laundering, doesn't matter. Don't touch children. It's like a criminal standard, right? So what happens when Mr. X gets caught on 10 counts of uh, child sex abuse? It gets into the population and Mr. X gets his shit pushed in, his asshole torn apart, and he probably gets bludgeoned within an inch of his life if not killed, right? This disgusting motherfucker who had license and location in which to herd these kids in while this other disgusting fuck who just got... Uh, found guilty of a cover-up, this archbishop, him, one year. But wait, not one year in jail, one year of home detention. He was active in the role of covering up another priest raping children and the judge thought it appropriate to give him a one year effectively suspended sentence. He's got house arrest. Cited because reasons cited were frail health and lack of criminal behavior in the past. Okay? Say it again. Frail because of age and because a lack of criminal behavior from the past, the judge thought it appropriate, right? His max sentence for this under Australian law, two years in prison, right? But they gave him home detention for no, and, and explicitly it says for no more than one year. And they said it's due to his age, frail state of health and previous good behavior. This motherfucker was covering up a kitty sex ring since the 1970s. He's got 50 years of bad behavior. Does that still carry a maximum penalty of two years in prison? Or does that still warrant one year house arrest because of age and frail health? He's fucking 67. It's not like he's 95, confined to bed on a fucking ventilator. He's walking around. Yet, that's what he gets. So, that's the part that pisses me off. I'm not surprised that the behavior takes place. I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not surprised that another one of these perverts has been found out and it turns out that it's been going back decades. I'm not surprised by any of that. I am a little bit surprised in the Australian law and how lenient they are on pedophiles, specifically associated with the Catholic Church. Because my understanding is Australia is effectively like a non-denominational country, right? It's kind of like an atheist country. Like they don't, 
They don't like religious affiliation too, too much, unless I'm getting that completely wrong, but that was my understanding. So for them to pony up such a light fucking penalty for a guy that has ruined countless lives is just a bit hard for me to swallow. And when I saw that, I said, well, I have to let my thoughts be known on this because, you know, I'm again, I'm not surprised on the behavior of members of the church. That shit is going on, right? They say that the biggest gay bathhouse in the world is attached to the Vatican, right? Where all these guys hang out, you know, do their business, you know, probably have little twinks running around, taking care of them, you know. It's fucking gross. It's gross. I have no problem with any aspects of homosexuality or um, gay rights or gay marriage or, you know, like I said, homosexual uh, interactions. No problem with that. Do what you want. Fuck who you want. Suck who you want. And let whoever fucking you want to, you know... Put a pound in on you. That's your fucking decision. I don't give a shit. But when it's people in positions of authority taking advantage of those less and those that are unable to defend themselves and who look up to these people who abuse them as, you know, beacons of light and hope and they use that trust by these children or by these, you know, mentally handicapped or disabled people, you know, when they use this position of power and influence to do nothing but ruin these people's lives, to fuck them and rape them and treat them like garbage and just, you know, inanimate pieces of objects that they can just fuck indiscriminately with no consequence. You know, it makes me want to string them all up and gut them. I want them quartered. Intestines hanging out, watching themselves bleed to death. That's my thoughts on it. That's how I feel about it. So a one-year fucking home detention sentence for historical case of sexual um, misconduct and cover-up, I can't swallow that at all. So I gotta let my thoughts be known on that. Because I'm sure most people out there listening to this would say, well, yeah, if I found out that, you know, a priest raped my son, I'd wanna kill him. I don't even have any kids, and I wanna kill him for you. So I don't understand how Australia can be so lenient on this, and that's why I wanted to bring it up, because the leniency we have in certain aspects of, of, of society versus others because of power or money or affiliation or whatever it may be is really out of whack. I mean, in what fucking realm and what space of reality is a one-year home detention for a 50-year cover-up of child sexual assault right? Where is that justified? Where is that, you know, the penalty fits the crime? Where the fuck is that balance? This motherfucker should die in prison. Die in prison. Oh, you covered up the fact that one of your priests was raping children? Oh, guess what? You're you're absolutely um, an accomplice in that. You're absolutely complicit in the behavior that was going on for God knows how long. So you might as well fuck those kids yourself is how I think about it. And the penalty that should be laid down because of that should be the same.
There should be no delineation because it's the whole thing of, well, if you're not if you're not doing something to rectify a problem, you're doing something to promote the problem. And in that position of a, of power where, you know, this is one of the most powerful archbishops in the Catholic Church in Australia, full stop, he was well within his remit to kick this guy out, report him to the police, whatever, anything but help him cover it up. So I have a hard time dealing with it and I have a hard time expressing any sort of uh, sympathy I have a hard time expressing anything but absolute disgust around that because, like I said, I think he should die in prison. I think the reasons for his light punishment are a joke and should be challenged by whatever appellate court they have in Australia. And I think this motherfucker should be dying in prison. That's my thought on it. So to anybody that was affected by this scumbag, or the priest that he covered up for. I hope you've managed to rectify and, and patch up your lives. I hope you've managed to get through it and uh, and live a fulfilled existence. Because, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't your fault. But, you know, courts are so important, right? Like the law and order of a country is so important and I think it's like one of the only only reaching oversights that that you know federal governments should have is the law and order ticket right they should they should provide infrastructure they should provide health care transportation which I guess you could roll into infrastructure military defense and law and order. Everything else should, well, maybe education too. Um, but I mean, there's a big fucking debate to have there. But other than that, they should say the fuck out of people's business, right? Is my thought on it. In the US, they have obviously the Supreme Court, you know, highest court in the land, all of that. Great. Well, more and more, our courts are being decided by political affiliation base rather than constitutional law. And this week, we saw the retirement of uh, Justice Anthony Kel uh, Kennedy. Yeah, Anthony Kennedy. Anthony Kennedy was on the Supreme Court and acted in many cases as a as a swing vote. He could be one of these justices who could be relied upon to move away from his party affiliation, his political affiliation, in order to get the in order to get the judgment and the decision on the actual topic and case at hand correct. So even though he might not agree with say abortion, he does agree that it is a woman's right to choose and that something like Roe v. Wade should be in place, for instance. Right. He was critical in a number of different decisions uh, over his career. And he was, like I said, he was a swing voter. But with his announcement to retire, this gives Donald Trump the opportunity to put somebody in there who aligns with his um, his manifesto or his campaign promises and his. You know, his way of thinking, it allows him 
to put candidates up for assessment that would effectively vote the way he wanted them to vote. And it's the Senate's job to vet these people in a way that makes sure to as much a degree as possible they vote based on the rules and precedents set in constitutional law, not because you're a Republican or Democrat, right? That's not how Supreme Court decisions should ever be made. However, more and more, because the presidents who have come before Trump have increasingly increasingly put people who are partisan to their views um, in place. And depending on who has the majority in the House and Senate, you know, makes those things varying levels of difficult or easy. But now, because Trump controls the House and the Senate, what they did to Obama when he was trying to get his Supreme Court justice nominee appointed was they said, well, this is an election year. We got the midterms coming up or, or the, or the uh, whatever elections it were, was at the time. They're like, nope, we're not even hearing a vote on these candidates who were very, very good, by the way. We're not hearing that until after the election because we think him putting somebody in place will then duly affect how voters are voting and so on and so forth, right? Political influence. Well, Democrats have made exactly the same argument about this next appointee now that Anthony Kennedy's retired. But because the Democrats don't own the House or the Senate and the majority belongs to the Republicans, they've put up, Democrats have said, well, we don't want to vote on this until after the elections because we've got an election cycle coming up in a minute and we think it could affect that. So we want to wait till after the midterms, see how the how the um, how the representatives land, right? Because they're expecting more Democrats to take seats from Republicans, and therefore that would affect a confirmation hearing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? Let me break it down for you. But because they own the House and the Senate, they basically turned around to the Democrats and said, "Fuck you, we're having this vote and we're doing it now." And that leads me on to the consequences, because if you don't know. Once you're appointed to the Supreme Court, it is a lifetime appointment. It's not a term, it's a lifetime appointment. You go until you die or retire, that's it. So having a justice put in there has ramifications based on his voting proclivity over the course of a generation. Now one of the things that Trump said on the campaign trail, on the lead up to the election, and since, is that he is pro-life. And anybody he would appoint to the Supreme Court would be anti-Roe versus Wade. And if you don't know what Roe v. Wade is, it is effectively the law in America that I can't believe is not ratified. I thought it was. But it's not. It's the law that makes abortion um, legal. It allows a woman, a woman's right to an abortion based on her own discretion. Now, apparently, if you ask certain people, this is not, and this came as a real shock to me because I thought 
from a female's point of view, a topic like Roe versus Wade would be a categorical majority in favor of. And what I mean by that is something that deals with a woman's right to choose whether or not she's allowed to have an abortion or abortion is legal and she has to go down the back alley route or what they would do, say, in uh, in Ireland previous to the recent vote and referendum they had on that, they would have to go somewhere else internationally, like Americans would have to go to Canada or Mexico or wherever, right? So if abortion was illegal, you would have an illicit abortion trade plus you would have a, uh, an international um, abortion trade that people would have to seek out, pay for, and it would become, you know, quite restrictive. And it would mean that, you know, the lower socioeconomic uh, status you have, the harder it would be to get one. Therefore, circumstances which are more likely to affect you because of your socioeconomic positioning in life, being less educated in a more violent community, you know, more likely to suffer spousal abuse, rape, etc., means that the ones that need access to abortion the most would not be able to have it. And this is one of the campaign promises that Trump has put in place, saying I would prefer to be pro-life. And like I started saying, from my perspective, I thought that this was a thing where if you asked 100 women, 98% of them would be favorable to Roe v. Wade, that it should be a woman's right to choose. But apparently that's not the case in America. Apparently it's something like 5149 like 51% in favor of 49% against now i've not verified these particular stats myself but i've heard from the new york times the atlantic fucking you know a number of different outlets that this is a very very closely voted and a very narrow margin of victory vote in terms of keeping this thing alive, which I didn't fucking know. And if that's the case, then there's a real potential based on Trump's appointee, whoever that may be, and he said he's going to move relatively quickly on it, something like uh, two weeks or something like that, that he's going to be looking to somebody that aligns with his viewpoints, and his viewpoint is a pro-life viewpoint. He doesn't believe that a woman should just be able to arbitrarily have an abortion, and to that... I say welcome to the 1800s. What the fuck are we doing? You gonna Are you going to establish a precedent in America where Roe v. Wade is repealed? It is then illegal to have an abortion and deal with all of the medical problems, societal problems, financial problems. You know, I could keep going that you would face if something like this was taken off the table. I, I mean, I can't personally see it happening, but also, you never know. Also, you never know, because this is something that Trump has aligned with. This is something that Trump says, I'm going to keep my promises. This is one of my promises, so I'm going to keep it. And to me, it's, I mean, I'm not a woman, so like, you know, I don't have, maybe I would have different feelings about this if I was a woman. I don't know, but 
from a personal standpoint, when I was 17, a mistake was made that could have adversely affected my life forever. And because that right was available to myself and the person that I was with at the time, we made the decision that, okay, this is a foolish, foolish error. We would be doing a child a misservice by bringing them into the world. And therefore, the responsible thing to do is to terminate. And that's a harsh decision. It's not a decision I think about almost ever until you know I start talking about issues like this. But the alternative was untenable. Financially, emotionally, educationally, whatever it may be. I still question whether or not I'm ready for a kid. And I'm mid-30s. 17 years old. What the fuck, man? I didn't know anything about anything at 17. I thought I was going to play in the NBA when I was 17. You know? Fucking delusions of grandeur and all of that. You take away a woman's right to decide what happens with her body. I mean, you're going back... You're going back a hundred years, man. Can't do it. But it's a very interesting thing because we are faced now with a decision that's going to happen because, as I said, the Republicans control both houses. And, you know, this is something Trump's going to want to push through. So I'm, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic that he'll think about it, but I'm not cautiously optimistic that he'll do anything about it. If that makes sense. He's going to vote down the party line. And he's going to vote for the most conservative person that he can get in there. Because ultimately that's what he wants. That's his viewpoint. That's how he operates. So I just thought it was worth talking about. Because, you know, on one side of the world we've got, you know, we've got judges giving leniency to these rapists. Over here on the other side of the pond... You know, we've got the potential to have abortion overturned. Like, we're really going into a wildly conservative place. And I wonder how much of that is fighting a backlash from the progressive, ultra-progressive, radical left. That are saying, you know, we're victims of this, we're victims of that. It's like a real kind of pussy, soft, weak, timid type of behavior. Right? And we've talked about this on the show before. How you're either an oppressor or the oppressed these days. Depending on these certain type of people that you talk to. Right, Everybody's got something to complain about. Right, These fucking white women that are calling the cops on black children for fucking selling water. Or uh, the Mexican guy for having a barbecue. Like, I'm not saying there's a type. And <laughs> I put this on my Facebook page the other day. I'm not saying that there's a type. But there's definitely a type. And I kind of bit my tongue on it the last time we talked about it because I almost like kind of skimmed over when I was talking about um, what's that fucking Patty chick? Hashtag uh, Permit Patty. Yeah, oh, that's it. Permit Patty. She was asking, uh, she was she was fucking telling this little black kid who was selling water in front of their apartment block that he needed or she needed, I can't remember if it was a little boy or a little girl, uh, a permit, I think it was a little girl, permit to sell water in front of her house. Get the fuck out of here, you fat piece of shit. 
You fucking slob with your Oakley glasses looking like it's 1993 with your fucking cool surf windbreaker on and shit. I'm going to tell you what they look like. They all look like bull dykes. That's what they look like. They all look like hardcore bull dyke lesbians. Yeah? The kind that a grown man would be afraid to fuck with. Right? Because they they look like they're about as big as a fucking house. They got a mullet that could rival any redneck in Alabama. And they're armed with a clip on their belt for their fucking flip phone. And they got one of those faces that you just want to hit with a hammer. Fucking look them up. I'm telling you, look them up. They all look the same. One looks particularly worse than, than the others, but they're all fat. They're all disgusting fucking slob cunts. You can tell just by looking at them. And I don't mean to be so vile in the way I'm wording this, but their behavior is vile. And the response to that behavior should be vile. Fuck you guys, you fucking pigs. Picking on children for selling water. Or picking on a Mexican guy for having a barbecue, telling him to get out of your country. Who the fuck do you fucking pieces of shit think you are? Like you have some claim to the land because your hillbilly mother shat you out of her pussy in fucking Kentucky or wherever the fuck else you're from. Like you have some claim to the land that somebody else doesn't. The division in America is so rampant and vile at the moment. I think you got to speak in it in this context because I hope this shocks some people. I hope this makes some people say, ooh, fuck, Daryl. Bit fucking harsh there. Am I? Because one of these fat fucking lesbian looking cunts slapped a black kid at a fucking swimming pool for no reason. Saying he doesn't belong there. You got cops fucking tasering black kids for sitting on a corner doing nothing. Fucking hillbillies that have given a license to mistreat people simply because they've got one of their own in office. So I am hoping and praying that these midterms in America turn over the majority back to the Democrats. And my party affiliation or my party politics or anything like that, they do not draw linear lines. I am not a straight conservative. I am not a straight liberal. I am not a straight socialist. I am not a straight whatever. I'm not any of those things. I'm little bits and pieces depending on what the fuck we're talking about. And I think there is a bit of a resurgence in American politics with some of the Democratic candidates that understand now that just calling yourself a Democratic candidate is not enough to stir voters to get off their sofa and come and vote for you. Ask Hillary how it went. I mean, she was a lying, corrupt, disgusting pig herself. But she also just said, well, they all voted for Obama and they all want a woman president, so I'm in with a shout. And to be fair, the entire political landscape expected that. But I think that's the change that the Democrats need to make. And I think with the um, with the victory in New York by Astacio, I think her name is, the Latina, she's like 20, 29 year old, very nice looking, uh, very well spoken, smart woman, smart woman. And she beat this fucking old white dude who was, you know, I think I mentioned it on the last show. She, he was supposed, to, he was one of the favorites to take over as speaker 
uh, of the House for Nancy Pelosi, leader of the Democratic Party, effectively, most powerful Democrat in the land. This guy was supposed to be on the front tier for nominees for taking that spot over from Nancy Pelosi. But instead, he got beat by a first-time political candidate in New York, and it wasn't even that close. So I went and looked at her campaign. I went and looked at what she did, and she was doing all the right things. She ran a majority, a major, a a campaign based on social media for the majority. Like that was a big outreach for her, as it is for you know any politician that knows the fucking their head from their ass. But she did it in such a way that she appealed to all communities, right? And what I mean by that is she did one for Muslims, and she did it in Arabic. She did one for the Spanish community, and she did it in Spanish. She has vehement arguments with the established politicians and the established, you know, the political establishment, you know, those that are in her way that see it as a, as an old boys club that needs a reform, a complete reformation of the whole entire, of the whole entire setup. And she's going balls to the wall on that. And from my point of view, that's exactly what the Democrats need. Now, is she ready for the presidency? The presidency? Of course not. She's a first-time candidate. That's just one because the momentum's behind her and she ran a smart campaign. The point is the perception and the attitude and the behavior of that party. Because complacency is just not on the menu anymore. Hoping that every black voter out there is going to come out because you're a Democrat, not a Republican. Wrong. You got to ignite a base. You got to inspire a base. You got to inspire people to say, listen, I'm as fucked off with this shit as you are. Come out. Let's run this game together and let's show these old motherfuckers that we're not playing their rules anymore. We're going to change the game on them. We're going to take a new version of how to play this game forward and let those motherfuckers adapt to what we're doing rather than the other way around. We're not playing those games. I mean, in all fairness, that's exactly what Donald Trump did. And look where he is right now. I mean, he used lies and manipulation and bullshit, you know, conflation and, you know, divisiveness and, you know, all of the, the negative things. But this can be done in a positive way. If you just understand that the status quo of the political sphere is just outdated like news media is or like any other kind of institutional behavior is. You can change it because you can identify a problem. And only can you reverse engineer to a solution if you know what the actual problem is. You know, and tackle something that you can win. You know, you're not getting money out of politics in America. There's going to be no reform on that. Bring campaign finance reform up to any lawmaker or any person with a legislative voting power and watch the corruption ooze from their skin. If you're vehemently against campaign finance, you should be standing up on a fucking pedestal and screaming, screaming for reform. Because until you get money out of politics, you're always going to have it as an old boys club. 
with pockets of wins like what we saw in New York. So I think congratulations to that woman. Um, again, I forget her name. I think her last name is Astasio. Um, you know, she did it the right way, but there needs to be more of that coming out of the Democratic Party or what you can expect is four more years of Donald Trump. Because they'll remain in power in the House and the Senate. He'll continue to push these ridiculous rules, laws, and executive orders through. And if you think he's fucked up a lot in, what, two and a half years or whatever it's been, two years, give him another six. He's already got two more coming, but give him another four after that. See what kind of damage he can do. Because he is doing damage to global trade, to global relationships, to, um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go into Donald Trump too much today. I don't want to go into Donald Trump too much today. But I think the win from, I think the win from this New York candidate, Democratic candidate, Astasio, hope I'm getting her name right, is uh, is fantastic. I've seen some interviews with her. I've seen some debates that she's done. I've seen her campaign videos. I think it's just super positive, man. Super positive. And they were trying to call her a socialist and everything like that. She's not a fucking socialist, okay? Socialism doesn't work. Just say that right fucking now. Socialism doesn't work, which is why equality of outcome doesn't work. Which is why this progressive, radical left garbage doesn't work, will never work, it's untenable. We've been down these roads before. Check the Soviet revolution out, check the Chinese revolution out. People get fucking murdered under socialist governments, under socialist revolutions. It doesn't work. Equality of outcome doesn't work. Okay? Fucking gender pay gap. Leave it out. You don't know what you're talking about. There's a fucking gender pay gap. No, there isn't. If you think there's a gender pay gap, you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about in terms of um, economic alignment, wage disparity, reasons and causes and effects of it. You don't know. If you say there's a gender pay gap and that's the reason why there can be an accounted for uh, 79 cents or 79 pence on the pound or the dollar in terms of what men and women get paid and that's down to gender, you are categorically a fucking moron categorically a moron and you should not be talking about this subject full stop because the data is already out there in terms of the cause and effects of this pay gap that you want to say and it's got nothing well i say nothing it doesn't have nothing to do with gender gender but it has very little to do with gender okay the reasons that you can point to it as a gender problem are because of the reasons that actually cause the separation of earning. This is not the gender pay gap show, okay? But I'm sick of it being mis misrepresented as a gender thing. Like me and my female colleague that sit beside each other that have exactly the same work experience career experience, got hired at the same time, do exactly the same job, and she gets paid 79p on the pound than I do, you are fucking crazy. You're stupid, 
and you deserve to be called out for being stupid because that is not the case. Do you know why? Because companies would be sued left, right, and center. And if it was a gender pay gap based on gender alone, right? Take the example I just gave you. I sit down at a desk, a woman sits down at a desk. We both have the exact same experience, the exact same skill set, the exact same uh, working ability, the exact same um, everything, job role, job title, responsibilities, everything, hours of operation, everything like that. We have all of that and she gets 79 pence for every, do- uh, for every pound that I get. Are you stupid? Because if that was the case of economics, my workplace would be full of nothing but women because that's cheaper labor. Right? Why would you pay somebody 20% more if you didn't have to, if you could hire women? That's not how gender pay gaps work. And I would say beware anybody that tries to boil that conversation down to strictly a gender argument because like I've already said that a person that has that viewpoint on it or better yet that lack of understanding in terms of that subject and the variability causing what we see as a discrepancy in pay is a lot more nuanced than just saying yeah men get more than women You can't just say that because it's not true as you deliver that as a one-dimensional argument. It's just not true. It's just not true. And the science and the data is already there. So, yeah. uh, I mean, this is the problem with, with the media consumption in the way that we currently digest it. We currently digest... And I say we, this is the majority of people still, I would argue, that get their information, get their news content from a handful of news media sources, right? Traditional media sources, whether it be television or print or online, generally, generally, we're dealing in bite-sized, incremental content pieces that lack nuance, lack any context, or any interest and inclination in exploring nuance and context, right? Because the media is so skewed politically or grasping at the chance to get every advertising dollar that they're more interested in bite-sized, consumable content that draws attention via clickbait headlines or salacious kind of um, headings, whatever it may be, right? They're more interested in that than the nuance of a conversation about, say, the gender pay gap, right? If you wanna have that argument, that's fine. If you wanna have that debate, that's fine. But it takes more than a seven minute segment on Fox News or CNN to do that. It takes more than just an unarguable print, um, like newspaper piece that you have no rebuttal or no alternate point of view on, or you can't bear out the data, you can't explore the data and show the data. 
you know so what you do is you get the point of view from whatever media you decide to listen to and if that's on the right you know via Fox News or something like that it's gonna be one angle if you go the left or more centrist you know you're gonna get CNN's point of view and they're gonna be wildly different and none of them are gonna be factual for the most part I mean think about it the Daily Mail is the biggest online news outlet on the planet. The Daily Mail just makes shit up. They're not journalists. They are salacious, clickbait media outlet. That's all they are. All they want is for their dumb fuck readers to click on as many articles as they can so they get page impressions and therefore advertising revenue. That's it. They don't care about truth, fact. They don't care about nuance and context or healthy debate and critical thinking. But the problem is that the standard bearers in the journalistic world and the news media are also going down this route. So for example, like the New York Times, big fan of the New York Times, still a big fan of a lot of the New York Times journalists. But ultimately, they're functioning in this clickbait world and struggling between subscribers and the revenue that they can generate from subscribers versus advertising, social reach, etc. And in order to play that game, they're willing to damage their brand. They're willing to damage their brand to such an extent that they are almost oblivious to the damage that they're doing because the forefront of everyone's mind is revenue. How can we get revenue? How can we keep that revenue generated and keep all of us in a job? Well, if we can't do it on fact-based journalism, we'll do it on salacious clickbait journalism. So they'll run people's they'll run people's name through the mud just to get people to click on their headlines based on the based on the audience that they know they have. So the New York Times is left-leaning, no doubt about it. And they go after which can only be described as kind of like a hit piece, they go after a guy like Jordan Peterson, right? They go after a guy like Jordan Peterson rather than giving you the entirety of his long-form interview that he does with the New York Times, they take snippets of it, put some words in between half a quote, which then they'll tie into another quote which relates to a different subject matter, a few words, then tying another quote that has nothing to do with the other two, but read as a statement, looks like he holds a position that is wildly inaccurate to actually the point he was making. And I think the subject matter in that particular article I'm referencing was actually the gender pay gap, because the New York Times is more interested in saying, look at Jordan Peterson, he doesn't believe there's a gender pay gap, or he thinks the gender pay gap is, uh, is a product of, you know, bitchy feminists or something like that. You know, they'll, he'll, they'll go down that route more and more uh, than they used to. And I just think, well, when you've got like one of the gold standards in investigative journalism and, and journalism overall, news overall, slipping into this clickbait ethos of, you know, outlandish and sensationalist headlines, then 
are we effectively just watching the traditional news media go down the toilet, sink, take on water at a rate that they can't dispel it and keep themselves afloat? Because that's what it seems like. The Daily Mail, I get it. That's e-news. They don't give a fuck about fact. They give a fuck about viewers. They give a fuck about clicks. They don't care about facts, nuance, and evidence. I've said that already a couple of times now, but it's true. The Daily Mail is garbage. The Daily Mail is a load of shit. If you get your news from the Daily Mail as a primary source, you are, by association, a misinformed person. There's no other way to look at it. It's like if you go to E! News and spend the majority of your time ingesting that information, you are not capable of having a thoughtful discussion or debate about world issues because you don't know them. You listen more to who made Kim Kardashian's dress or what, you know, how she broke the internet because she put her ass on a cover of a magazine or what meltdown Kanye West is doing, or what this person was wearing on the red carpet, or the fact that this celebrity was posting baby pictures on Instagram, you don't have any capacity in which to have a nuanced discussion with me or anybody else that cares about fact, nuance, and evidence on any subject matter at all. You might have your opinions and you're entitled to those opinions, but when we start discussing serious subject matter, you don't get to have your own facts and your opinions are not facts. So if you can't come to me with facts on a subject, I'm not interested in having that discussion with you because the truth of the matter is in the world that we live in now, I can give and present facts and credible information on a subject and people will dismiss it like I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about and what they'll insert in place of that or as a counter argument is their opinion. You are entitled to your own opinion. You are not, I repeat, you are not entitled to your own facts. Those are born out of the evidence, those are born out of statistics, and those are based on and born out of critical thinking and analysis. But now the problem is that the media has become so unreliable, where do we get those facts from? Where do we get those nuanced thought points from that we can actually count on and believe in? Well, .orgs are a great place to start. .coms have a commercial interest. .co.uk's have a commercial interest. You know, .orgs, less so. So it's about expanding the net that we cast in order to you know, gather up and capture all of our information. But if we're going to a handful of sites that do nothing more than act to reinforce a confirmation bias, how are we developing as people? How are we developing as thinkers? How are we expected to see the shit coming down the line, heading straight for us if we don't understand what real shit is. You know, I've given the example before, right? If you call everybody that protests something you're against a Nazi, then you will be unaware and unable to identify a real Nazi coming down the street, waving a gun or a fucking, you know, a club at you, whatever it may be, right? 
But the New York Times, I mean, I was listening to an interview with Jordan Peterson, and he's got like arguably the, like the number one book in the world over the last six months, right? Hot seller in every single territory it's been published in, and uh, <coughs> digital and uh, in print. It's uh, it's doing fantastically well, and congratulations to him because he deserves it. I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson. Um, but the New York Times refuses to put him on their bestseller list. Now they say they have rules, which they don't really disclose, talking about, you know, it depends where a, a book is published originally, not distributed, that counts whether or not, but that's complete and utter bullshit. Again, they've just got a thing against him and they wanna silence him out and they wanna freeze him out of any recognition that he is uh, is deserved of. And that's gross. And that brings him down because if, so it, like, if you lie to me, if you lie to me once and I find out, you're dead to me. Because if you lie about something once, there's nothing saying you're not gonna lie to me again. And if you lie about something trivial, then there's nothing saying, there's nothing to stop you from lying about something significant. But the main thing about that, to me, is it's about credibility. It's about you being a genuine person, a transparent person, and less concerned about your ego and more concerned about delivering facts and honesty. But if you will lie to me about something just to win an argument, then you're a piece of shit and I can't trust you. You know, and if you make something up just to support your own argument, because ultimately you've been proved wrong, so you have to save it. Like I had this conversation, it was, it was the weirdest fucking thing, right? So me and my wife are walking the dogs in, in the park on the weekend and it's very, very hot. So we're giving them a little rest in the shade and they're laying down on the ground and a guy walks over and he's got a greyhound. And he's an older gentleman and he comes up and introduces himself by way of inquiring, you know, how big our dogs are gonna get because our dogs are very small um, and they're a small breed, etc. And he's, you know, his dog has a problem with small animals and he always tries to attack them and uh, he had a muzzle on so he wanted to bring him over to kind of, you know, introduce him and see if he could curb his enthusiasm about ripping little animals apart. Okay, fine. But then he starts in on his political viewpoints. Fucking out of nowhere, by the way, completely unsolicited, by the way, he comes out and offers and volunteers the point that he is a Brexiteer. And that the government is fucking everything up because they're not letting... Uh, the opposition is fucking everything up because they're not letting the government get on with getting us out of uh, the European Union and how much of a great thing it's going to be when we do get out of the European Union. And I was... The last thing I want to do is engage a stranger in a public place unannounced in a political debate, discussion, whatever you want to call it. Right? That's not my idea of a great Sunday morning. But he persisted. So, I'm not a Brexiteer. I think we should have remained in the EU. I think even if we 
as we are leaving the EU and plan on staying that way, the whole situation could have been handled a lot better. And again, with a little bit of nuance, a little bit of thought, and a little bit of forward planning, this thing could all be done a lot better. But it's not because we didn't have any of those things in place. We just put this thing out for a vote. And here we are. Based on identity politics, based on lack of evidence, lack of clarity, lack of nuance. We were sold a bill of goods. At least those that voted for us to leave were sold a bill of goods. And effectively voted off the back of a lie. And after about two minutes of conversation with this guy, I realized he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about simply because as soon as I challenged him on a point that I disagreed with, he had nothing other to say than he knows somebody who knows better than me and he'll take their word for it. And if that's the case, why are you engaged with me in the first place? Because now I don't believe what you're saying. Because you're not coming to me with any facts, you're coming to me with other people's opinion. Not even your own opinion, you're coming to me with somebody else's opinion. So now that's even less credible because I don't know who this fucking guy is, right? And for all I know, guy that I met 20 minutes ago, you could just be wanting to vent, wanting to show that you're a fucking smart guy and talking to some stranger in the park and you're, you know, whatever. I don't know what the fuck your motivation is. All I know is that I don't approach strangers in the park and start talking to them about politics, religion, and fucking weed legislation when I'm out walking my dogs. I tend to walk my dogs and if I do interact with other people, I tend to talk about dogs. It's just kind of the way it goes, right? But again, not my ideal scenario, having a full-on political debate with a guy in a park on a public pathway at fucking nine in the morning on a Sunday. Anywho, the conversation continued because he wouldn't let it go. So we moved on. We moved on. We moved on to the weed legislation debate. And of course, being a Brexiteer, he has a certain demographic profile about him because, well, People who voted to leave the EU have a certain demographic profile about them. It is just a matter of fact, okay? Not saying there's just one demographic profile that voted to leave Brexit, but there are certainly demographic profiles that are that have more of a proclivity to vote towards leaving than remaining. And that happens to be conservative old white people or Middle England lower socioeconomic voters. Same people same demographic to vote Donald Trump in. Exactly the same, by the way. So you've got this demographic profile about who votes for leave and who votes remain. And I was talking clearly to a Brexiteer who fit the profile. And therefore, when he started in on the weed legislation business, I knew exactly what his point of view was going to be. He was vehemently against it because pot is dangerous and skunk is even worse and it'll ruin lives and we don't want a bunch of druggies and stoners walking around the street this is his argument by the way and that there is no medical benefit to marijuana whatsoever so those of you know me out there know that i am and if you've listened to the show know that i currently uh retain my interest in legalization across the board for cannabis, not just medically, but recreationally as well. 
And so what a time to engage. So let's have this conversation, Mr. Man, who's approached me out of fucking nowhere in the park on my only day off of the whole entire week. If you want to have this conversation, let's have this conversation. Let's first start by pointing out that you don't know what you're fucking talking about in a very, very nice way. Pointing out the obvious benefit between what he calls weed and what he calls skunk. And I know what he meant. He meant normal versus enhanced potency weed, right? Higher THC levels, which people like to call skunk. For anybody listening, skunk is not a degree of strength with weed, okay? It is not weed and skunk, okay? Weed is weed. Cannabis is cannabis, okay? Cannabis and skunk are not two different products. Let's be very, very clear on that. They're not. They may have different levels of potency based on the strain of cannabis that they happen to be or hybrid strain of cannabis that they happen to be. But skunk is not a different product, substance, or plant than cannabis. They are exactly the same. It is another name for it. Okay? And further to that, it's actually a strain of weed like Skunk Number 1, or Northern Lights, or White Widow, or Jack Hera, or King Kong, or any other name you want to give your strand of pot. Blueberry Haze, Amnesia, Lemon Grade fucking Sherbert, whatever you want to call them. There are a thousand different strands, like Snoop has his own strain of weed, Wiz Khalifa has his own strain of weed, you know, like... This is the first point. If Again, if you're having a conversation with someone around a topic and they can't even get the basic fundamentals correct, you know you're talking to somebody who is generally just spouting shit out of the ass and regurgitating garbage that they've heard from whatever news media they choose to listen to based on their political leaning. Okay? So, for once and for all, Weed and skunk are exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. The only difference is they may vary in their strength, but that is not cannabis versus skunk. That is skunk versus another strain of cannabis. Understand? Like Northern Lights may be more potent than skunk. Jack Hera crossed with White Widow will be a different strain than a lemon amnesia or a blueberry haze, right? Got it? Strains of weed, not types of cannabis. Cannabis is a plant. That is it, folks. The only separation between cannabis is cannabis and hemp. And the only difference between cannabis and hemp is the female versus the male version of it, one which pollinates and produces THC in its flowers and one that does not. That is it. So, after explaining this to him, of course, which he wasn't interested in hearing, he continued to say, yeah, well, you know, the detriment it has on, you know, the illicit trade and and, and street crime and things like that. And 
which again is very, very easily turned around and rebutted to say, well, the illegitimacy of it and the illicit nature of the industry is born out of prohibition rather than legalization. And a lot of that dissipates and goes away if you do actually legislate, regulate and tax it. But again, doesn't want to hear that. So he moves on to the proposed health negative, uh, the negative health benefits or that negative health consequences of consuming cannabis, right? Oh, well, it induces schizophrenia. Well, no, it doesn't. No, it absolutely does not. So whoever you've been listening to or whatever news outlets you've been listening to, I can guess which ones they are. Based on the other parts of this conversation, you're wrong. It doesn't induce, it doesn't cause schizophrenia, but if you have a proclivity towards schizophrenia, it can, it can exacerbate it. And this is not me sitting here saying that weed is a cure-all, be-all, end-all product for everybody on the planet, because it's not. But neither is alcohol, neither is ibuprofen, neither are nuts, neither is gluten, Neither is dairy. You know what I'm saying? Nothing is 100% right for 100% of people. Nothing works like that. But to try to throw up false arguments makes you seem like an illegitimate part of the conversation because you're not coming with anything other than your opinion or thoughts that have been regurgitated by the echo chamber of news media that you find yourself consumed with. So after I kindly asked this man if he would explore this, if one of his children, God forbid, wasn't having any, you know, was, was afflicted by something like epilepsy, but none of the steroid medication, none of the anti-epileptic, um, anti-seizure medication, pills, pharmaceuticals were working, would he try cannabis? He said no. He fucking said no. And at that point, we're pretty much done. Right. <clears throat> so even though I presented arguments to him for the contrary, including Billy Caldwell, Alfie Dingley, and the other hundreds of thousands of people that can be helped by the medical legalization or legislation around cannabis, he wasn't interested in hearing it. So what did he throw at me instead of fact? He threw conjecture, he threw opinion, he threw bullshit basically to try to get some of it to stick to the wall. So you know what he hit me with as a final point? He said, well, I was talking to a, neuro, a, a molecular biologist who uh, was trained at Oxford University and he tells me that cannabis is dangerous. So I'm gonna believe him over probably, you know, just somebody, right? Like inferring that, why would he take the opinion of like just some guy he met on the fucking street versus this molecular neuroscientist that he knows or whatever the fuck he said, right? And I said to him, I said, well, if you're talking to him, you don't need to be talking to me about this. But what I'm telling you is fact and what you're giving me is opinion and third-party information. I said, so if you want to continue the conversation, I'm happy to do that, but you have to bring some facts to the table about this. At which point he said, you know, He's like, I often get into discussions with people and I, I, he gave me this example about an English guy he was talking about, um, I think it was, uh, 
he was having a conversation about apartheid and uh, and the British Empire or something like that and how people in Britain can criticize uh, apartheid or something like that, basically using the argument that the British Empire murdered a whole bunch of people but apartheid didn't kill anybody. He said to me, apartheid didn't cause any bodies. And that was a home run win for him. And I said, at that point, I looked at my wife and I said, listen, we got to go. We got to go. And she could see in my face I was getting a bit uh, a bit turned up by this guy because, you know, he was just, at this point, he was just talking absolute shit. So I can't converse with people like that because once I've identified that you're lying to me and that you're giving me nothing but bullshit, the conversation, our interaction from that point going forward is over. It's over. So beware people who like to throw their own opinions at you disguised as facts because oftentimes they're hiding an inefficiency to do research, an unwillingness to hear an alternate point or an alternate side of the conversation. And anybody that's not willing to engage on both sides is not worth having a discussion with. I'm telling you right now. One-dimensional arguments, one-dimensional viewpoints are a thing of the past, like traditional media is, right? And we're watching that ship sink now. We are watching the bow fill up. We are watching the crews go overboard with their life rafts. And those life rafts have a hole in them. So the only thing that they've got to hold on to is an oar that's floating in the middle of the water. And they're grasping at it grasping at it trying to hold on to survive but it's dying and these are the last moments of a dying media we are seeing we are seeing cable news put out to pasture because do you know what the average viewer's age is of any broadcast media and i'm talking fox cnn msnbc any of them the average age of that viewer is 64 years old. Young people, millennials, even people of my age, sort of mid-third, we don't watch that shit anymore. We get our content from other places. We get our content from people who don't have uh, corporate interests holding back the actual viewpoints and facts about subjects that we need to discuss to further ourselves. Like podcasts, for instance, long form, uninterrupted, thought out content, a medium that allows you to explore thoughts, explore subjects, and really put the nuance into the debate so that you can fully understand them from both sides. Sure, these podcasts have advertising. Mine doesn't yet, but if there's anybody out there listening that would like to contribute, please feel free to email me or get in touch via one of our social pages, and I'll be happy to have the conversation with you. However, we're not there yet, but some people are. But because podcasts are generally, for the vast majority of podcasts that are out there, they are solely owned and operated by the people involved in the uh, operational side of the business. So the host or the producer or a combination of both will own it outright. They'll own it outright. Therefore, they don't have to answer to anybody. Therefore, if they're not beholden to the advertisers, you can say, fuck you. If you don't like the feedback that an advertiser might 
give to you. If you're not beholden to that money, which is the point of having a medium light podcasting, that you can still get your voice out there to an audience without having to suck on the corporate tit or the advertising tit. You can do this for free because you love it. Then if an advertiser comes to you with specific conditions, prearranged corporate codes of conduct, you can turn around and say, thanks very much, but I'm not interested in working with you. If you want access to this audience through me, this is the rules to that game. I'm gonna say what I want, when I want, how I want. If I determine that something needs to be taken back or apologized for or corrected because I've given the wrong information or inaccurate stats and facts, that is on me. And that goes down to the credibility of how I wanna run this business, not what an advertiser is saying because all advertisers want is the numbers. They just want your audience. <clears throat> but if they're doing this on Fox or on CNN or whatever other medium it might be, they will say, don't put us next to this segment because it doesn't align with our corporate brand or don't read our, our ad read in this way or read it word for word or whatever. Right? Don't put our print ad in the New York Times next to an article about ISIS. Right? They can make these demands and they can try to make them in podcasting, but if we hold true to the authenticity of the medium, the response back to those things, for the most part, if they're, un if they're unreasonable, will be fuck off. If they're reasonable requests and you make accommodations where necessary and where you feel you want to, but the long form medium of podcasting allows for a much deeper discussion which is much more attractive to people who are critical thinkers let those snapchat retards fucking e-news retards crack on with what they're doing the world star idiots out there let them crack on with what they're doing right darwinism will take a hold trust me but there is a growing movement of people out there that are interested in long-form discussions, long-form debates, long-form rants like this one in terms of how we need to be aware of what is happening in our media, what is happening, happening in our political landscape, and they're becoming wise to the bullshit that they're still trying to feed. So when you've got online services, and this goes to my point about the BBC and the TV license fee, that shit is fucking gone. And I'm just waiting for a politician to stand up of any prominence to say, what are we doing still having this as a mandatory charge? This is absurd. Everything should be market dictated. And if you can't draw the eyeballs and you have to go down the clickbait route, then you deserve to die a slow death just like those mediums will. And I know we've got a world full of retards and they'll always keep sites like the Daily Mail afloat and things like that, but that doesn't mean you have to participate. You don't have to participate in a discourse that's below your, below your mental acuity, below your mental ability. Deserve and expect more from yourself than being fed a tablespoon of bullshit every day and swallowing it with a smile on your face like you just fucking learned something. Sit through a three-hour debate 
through a two-hour conversation about gender pay gap, about equal rights, about the history of the NRA, about the development and, pro, uh, and uh, proliferation of ISIS and then the contraction of ISIS and why they're not as strong as they were three years ago. <coughs> Read into Donald Trump's business uh, arrangements over the years because one of the things that we didn't talk about earlier in the show about Anthony Kennedy, the Supreme Court Justice that's just retired and is going to be replaced by someone that Donald Trump nominates is the fact that him... Anthony Kennedy and Donald Trump, both their sons are friends and they have business deals that have happened between them. And the word on the street is that Donald Trump has been quietly in Anthony Kennedy's ear since he got elected saying, mate, you should retire. Mate, you should retire. Remember that favor I did? Remember that shit we worked out between you and your son and my son? Maybe time to retire. Do me a solid back. And there needs to be a fucking investigation into that in my opinion. Because that's not a small decision that's coming down the pipe, by the way. So just wait on that. But just going back to the media thing, because, you know, there's a lot of journalists out there with a lot of integrity and they do their job to the best of their ability, despite the constraints that are put on them from the corporate structure that is in place that runs those organizations. Still people upholding integrity and, you know, trying to do the best job that they can. Now, a lot of those people will have their own kind of independent outlets, podcasts or whatever, blogs, etc. But for the most part, people are just conforming to the lowest common denominator in terms of output, 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 because they're desperate to keep their jobs because they see the industry contracting on them. But beware, beware of what you're being fed. Low resolution thinking. This is low resolution thinking. If your media consumption is based around the Daily Mail, you think on a low resolution thought scale. And sometimes low resolution thinking will do the trick perfectly. Sometimes after a long day, I want to sit in front of the TV. I don't want to watch anything other than some shit that's on TV. And I'll stick on, fuck, I don't even know. I might watch the Big Bang Theory. Who the fuck knows, right? But that's a snack. That's not my main meal. That's not my entree. My entrees go a lot deeper than that. They're a lot more nutritious than that. And I'm a big believer in a diet for the body. And I don't mean diet like fucking Jenny Craig or, you know, Atkins or anything like that. I mean diet in terms of nutrition, what we put in our body. I believe in a physical diet and I believe in a mental diet. And I believe people who consume that type of media like clickbait shit, like Daily Mail, like E! News, I think they are eating a McDonald's diet for the mind. And those people become negative and those people become boring. And those people become opinion-based without facts. So you can't have a decent conversation with them. And those people are negative. And negative people are fucking tumor that you can't get rid of. You have to cut that shit out at the roots. Start again. 
and I don't want to say anything about confirmation bias and having only people that agree with you around you because that is terrible. And that's just a reflection of what we do on social media. Have some diversity in your life. Search for an opinion contrary to the one you currently hold. See if your mind is available to be changed. Is your mind, are your opinions malleable under the, pr under the presentation of facts that contradict your current thinking? Are you able to adjust? Are you able to say I'm wrong? Are you able to take on another viewpoint based on evidence? If you are, you're my type of person. If you're not, you're a fucking, you're a halfwit. You're a halfwit. And I can't get down with you. I'm sorry, I can't get down with you. But I just wanted to make this point <coughs> because we're being fed lies constantly. We're being fed bullshit constantly. We're being fed um, specific viewpoints and opinion points based on the corporate organizational structure of these media outlets and nothing else. And you have to be able to identify when you're being lied to, when you're being played for a fool and kick back accordingly. And speak with your money, speak with your viewership, speak with your time, speak with your engagement. Take your business elsewhere. Because I'm telling you right now, once you recognize that you're being lied to, once you recognize that you're being made a fool of, and once you recognize that the people that are doing it don't care that you are their commodity, that they sell onto ads and brands, then maybe, just maybe the penny drops and maybe you become aware of your own self-worth and maybe you start to deserve better from yourself. It's the same thing with exercise. If you sit around and you're fat and you're lazy and you can't breathe and you can't walk up the front steps without coming out of breath or if it gets a little hot outside and you're hyperventilating, you know, you find yourself getting chest pains. You find yourself not being able to tie your shoes or bend over to put your socks on. If you don't recognize that there's something wrong with that, that's problem one. If you recognize that there's something wrong with that and don't do something about it, that's even worse. Because then you can't claim ignorance anymore. You can only claim outright defiance to do something good for yourself and that's your fucking problem and I'm not saying I'm perfect because I'm not not by any stretch of the imagination but what I do every day is try to better myself and improve my ability to recognize bullshit whether that's coming from me subconsciously or otherwise and from other people so if I'm telling myself I'm on a good track and I'm actually not because I feel like shit, I'm not sleeping right, I'm lying to myself. Something needs adjusting. And if I'm not willing to look at myself very candidly in the mirror and say, listen, stop doing this or do more of this or subtract this from your life, then I'm doing myself a disservice. I'm lying to myself and I'm my own worst enemy. And then I deserve the consequences of my actions. Because I fucking know better. So if you know better and you don't change, then that's just willful ignorance, right? That's acknowledging ignorance and continuing it nevertheless, right? The definition of insanity, right? Continuing a similar behavior and expecting a different result. 
sitting on the sofa eating shit all day is not going to make you skinnier. It's not going to reduce your chances of having a heart attack. Get the fuck up and do something. You can't have a critical a critical debate or two-way fluid conversation about subject matter that should be crucial to your life, like inflation rates, like travel prices, like um, medical prices, like prescription drug prices, like the state of your government, the fact that you're being torn out of a single market and have no idea why or what the consequences are going to be. Companies are already leaving. Companies are already threatening to shut down plants and kill jobs in this country. We got at least a 30 billion bill on our hands, at least just as an exit bill. And then we have no trade alignment worked out. This is supposed to happen next year. We're in July. The fuck is gonna, what are we doing? But then you'll hear on the BBC, oh, well, we've got these papers and look at everything that's marked in red. Those are all the things we haven't done. But look at all the things in green. These are all the things that are green. What the fuck are they? Stop with the five minute segments and go do some long form content. So like I said, you have to have a healthy mental diet as well as a, menti a, a healthy physical diet as well. You are not just the body that you're in and you're not just the the thoughts that you have. You're a combination of both and they affect each other equally. So you have to get the whole situation in place and then you have to be cognitively aware of when you are being spoon-fed bullshit. You know? Final example. Trump says, well, the media is the enemy of the state. Journalists, fake news. They're all the enemy of the people. They're ruining society. So what happens? Some fucking crazy cocksucker walks into a newspaper in America and shoots up a bunch of journalists. And then Trump will come back on TV and say what happens there is a tragedy, taking no responsibility for anything that he had to say not 24, 48 hours prior to the shooting. And the worst bit about it is none of the media call him out on it. They softball him. This motherfucker, for all the shit that he does, doesn't get hardballed. Put this motherfucker under pressure. He will crumble. I promise you. You can see it in his face. He doesn't like conflict and controversy. He likes to be the top dog in every situation. And when he's made to feel inferior or challenged in any way, shape, or form, he starts to crack. Look at North Korea. North Korea are like, yeah, nice job on the summit, fuckface. We're not, we're not getting rid of anything. And if you remember... Either the last episode or the episode before, I explained what denuclearization was. And it had nothing to do with getting rid of North Korea's nuclear weapons. It never, it never was, it never has been, and it never fucking will be. Because they've seen Libya, they've seen Iraq, they've seen what happens in these places when you give up or get too friendly with America, when you might have commodities or... or, or occupied geopolitical space that they might want. They'll play nicey-nicey, get you to strip bare, buck naked, but then they'll tie a fucking collar around your neck and drag you through the streets and let you be bludgeoned to death. I'd say ask Muammar Gaddafi how it worked out when he said, I'll give up all my nuclear weapons. But you can't because he's in a fucking grave somewhere with a bayonet up his ass. like new North Korea was getting rid of their nuclear weapons. Are you out of your fucking mind? I told you this. 
Denuclearization does not mean we get rid of our nuclear weapons. It means they won't be attacked by America with nuclear weapons. And at some point in the future, they'll look at scaling down their operations. He is a maniacal dictator of a third generation of maniacal dictators. Do you think he's going to relinquish any power over his people? It's the only thing he's got. Get rid of our nuclear arms. Are you out of your fucking mind? Anybody that thought that should look themselves in the mirror and slam their face straight into it. Because if you're that dumb and that fucking naive, or again, have a media diet that doesn't allow you to consume the nutrients to understand these subjects in the way that you need to understand them, then you are a fool for it. I told you guys plain as day, like two, three weeks ago, he's not getting rid of his nuclear weapons. He wanted to be brought onto the world stage. He wanted to be legitimized so he could look to negotiate his trade relations with China and other partners in the region, 95% of which come from China. And he's done just that. He's done just that. Whilst having the American president say it's an honor to meet you, whilst at the same time, soldiers in the North Korean army are having tapeworms the size of my fucking forearm removed from their small intestine. While three generations of families are working in labor camps at the far end of North Korea. Because their granddad may have had the wrong type of radio in his house. Because like we said before, again, remember, Donald Trump legitimized a dictator that doesn't punish the person that perpetrated the um, autocratic laws. He punishes three generations of your family. But yet the, the uh, American president and all of his supporters got no problem with saying it's an honor to meet you. Real pleasure. Real good guy. Real strong guy. When he talks, his people stand up and listen. Because they'll get their fucking legs cut off if they don't. You fucking halfwit. Don't believe what you're being fed. Don't believe that it's nutritious. Don't believe that it's good for your mind. Don't believe that it will further your cognitive ability to have debates and understand the world around you any better. If you're a simpleton and you like to live in this fucking haze and walk through life, you know, like the happy ignorant wanderer, then do you. I'm not telling you this as a doctrine. I'm just saying, if you are feeling like you might be, you might be being fed bullshit, Probably because you are. If it feels like your mind's not working in an optimized way, it's because it's probably not. And the media you consume is a direct influence on how you're feeling from a cognitive level, right? We know Facebook are conducting um, experiments on its users up to 10 at a time. And if you don't believe me, go back, I think, two years and listen to the Trust Engineers episode of Radiolab where they explore the department within Facebook that conducts those experiments on you. And they tell you how they do it. I can only imagine now <clears throat> with the quiz applications and the extension and retargeting and siphoning of users' data that it's probably gotten even worse. But it's only last week that now Facebook has said, oh, well, another 100 million users had their data uh, breached because of a quiz app that you fucking morons are playing. And that's the thing, it doesn't just affect you, you idiot. It affects people on your friends list and on your connections list. 
they also get exposed because you're not smart enough to know that that is a an app that is just looking to siphon data. Never in my life have I played a quiz on Facebook. Never. Because they're clearly obvious clickbait. They're clearly obvious um, mechanisms for vacuuming up data. <coughs> it's the same with the sadomasochistic animal videos and shit on Facebook. You know, the one where it's like, oh, we found this pit bull shaking and shivering and malnutritious and, you know, just whimpering and he was really defensive and then three minutes later they've got him in a car and you know then the progress video starts and you know he's back to life one how do you know that that's the same dog or same animal two how do you know that the circumstances and situations in which they claim to have found that animal are not actually perpetrated by the people filming the video i know that's a very cynical outlook right God, people would never be that bad. <clears throat> would they not? Because there's still a dogging festival in China. Right? We've still got young black children being tasered, beaten, slapped in public by white people. We've got a president telling you that the enemy of the state is the journalists. And people retaliating on those journalists with firearms. You know what I'm saying? Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of what you're consuming. Be aware that people do not have your best interests at heart. They have their own. And it's upon, it is, it is your duty to do better. It is your duty to be more aware and to contribute positively and productively to this society. If you don't, what are you doing here other than consuming? And that's the question of the day, I suppose. What do you bring to the table? Right, I'm gonna leave it there. Whew, and breathe right guys an hour and 40 one take baby one take i love getting on this mic coming back at you guys man it's fucking awesome i missed it been gone for a week um and i always tell you i'm trying to knock out two or three episodes a week um it just so happens that my schedule this week has been fucking crazy and i haven't been able to do it but it's wednesday evening i'm gonna come right back and do a ufc preview and um and that'll be two for this week. And then next week, we'll see how it goes. I'll probably do a recap of whatever the event uh, results are for the UFC. And, you know, whatever else tickles my fancy. <laughs> Such a stupid fucking say. Whatever else I feel like talking about, we're going to come back. We're going to hit you again, right? I'm not putting guests um, or the idea of having guests on to bed. I am still talking to people. It's just... As I work nine to five, as I have another job with my personal training business, as I have a wife um, and, you know, family life, it makes things tight, you know, because everybody I'm trying to round up or do interviews with also has a lot of their own things going on. And it can be it can be tight sometimes to uh, to try and arrange to get people on the show. But I'm still planning on doing that because I think that's where we take this thing to. I think that's the next level of this show. 
<clears throat> and I think that's the natural evolution of this show is to have people on, give their opinions, to have debates with me. Um, you know, and I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to come, I don't expect to come out of these debates winning. I don't expect to come out of these conversations having all the right points and all the right ideas. I expect to have people on that are going to teach me stuff, that are going to, that are going to give me alternate opinion points that I can consider. They're going to give me facts that I've not heard of, that I've not thought of looking up. I want to be challenged and I want to be taught and learned by my contemporaries, by people who I respect, who I'm interested in, who have something to say. So that's definitely still on the agenda. Um, it's just, I don't know when we're going to be able to do it. I just have to kind of, I have to get a schedule down solid but it's a bit difficult so I'm, I'm, I'm constantly working on that um, because ultimately as I said I think that's really where we need to go with this thing um, but I'll keep you up to date on that also you can stay up to date as always on our Facebook page and on our Twitter page uh, both discoverable if you search quiet part loud um, you'll be able to find them both on both platforms um, I also post episodes uh, to my Instagram account, but that's more affiliated with my fitness business. Um, so mostly just Facebook and Twitter, but you can download, down, download, you can download the Mount Bell. You can download the episodes on SoundCloud. You can subscribe and download the shows on iTunes. Um, also tune in. Still haven't heard back from Deezer since last week, but I'm going to be reaching out and following up with them as well. Um, and I think that's all the business that we need to take care of today. So um, subscribe, like, feedback, rate, comment, guys. I see you. Um, episode 40 was, uh, was a very, very uh, well-responded to episode. Last episode was doing decent numbers as well. I want this one up there as well, guys. So get involved, man. Listen, share it with your friends, tell people about it. Um, and most importantly, give us feedback because we want to know where we're going right. We want to know where we're going wrong. We want to know what you want to listen to and hear about more, what you want to hear and listen to less, um, and just make this thing as always the best thing it can be. So this is, um, uh, let me just check because I think this is episode 42. Yep, this is episode 42. We're coming back at you with episode 43. And as I said, that's going to be a UFC breakdown. But for now, this is the quiet part loud. My name's Daryl and I'm your host as always. And until next time, guys, all the best.